All right, welcome to our discipling panel. I'm so glad y'all made it in here, and I'm excited for you to hear from my friends. Um, come on up. Come on up. You don't... Uh, no, you get to introduce yourselves. <laughs> it's this wonderful thing. Um, we're just really excited to be able to delve into a little bit more of the nitty and gritty about discipling. We talk a lot about it at UBC, and I know at the other churches that have joined us as well. But this is an opportunity um, for you to have maybe some more specific questions answered um, or just honed in a little bit more. Um, again, just a reminder that there is a QR code in the uh, little workbook thing that you were given, and you can scan that if you have a question for us. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I'm Erin Wheeler. I am uh, married to Brad, the pastor at UBC. And um, I have, um, I first learned about discipling uh, from our brother and friend, Mark Dever. So if you have not read the book, Discipling, that he's written, it's an excellent resource. Um, and that's kind of my beginning of really understanding what discipling is. Um, and I'm joined by three amazing women who do amazing work in discipling. I'm excited for you to hear from them. But before I let them loose, um, let me pray for our time together. Father, we're grateful that you are the one who, in your perfect love through Christ, um, disciples us through your word, um, that you grow us more as we just have been meditating on and to the image and likeness of your son through the power of your word and your people. So I pray today that this time would be encouraging, that we would not feel burdened by the command to disciple, but we would feel excited and overjoyed that we would walk out um, invigorated to do good in the light, the spiritual lives of others. In the name of Jesus, amen. Um, you want help getting that on? Can I just go like this? Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> you can totally do that. Um, uh, I think, Bev, we know who you are, but you want to tell us anything specifically as it relates to discipling and your like background in discipling, just briefly? Uh, I don't have anything. I mean, I will say this. I think discipling um, changed my life. Yeah. I really, the, truly, like, the discipling changed my life. I think, yeah, I can't say enough about it. It really, awesome. it really was like, um, oh, I just have a funny story. Mark, when we did membership interviews, when you joined the church, I had never had a membership interview. I thought it was super weird. Yeah, same. And... <laughs> And I actually avoided joining the church for a really long time because I was like, "What? I, why are you asking me to commit all the time, you people? But when Gospel I finally... Gospel in 60 seconds or less, go. When, I know. <laughs> I was like super nervous. And then I asked him, do you have older women who could disciple me? And Because I'd never... I'd heard him talk about it, but I'd never been discipled. And he goes... Um, we don't have a lot of older women, but if you stay and grow, you can be one of those. And I thought, what a weirdo. Like, why would you say that to me? That is but so smart. But it was Inception. He was doing Inception. So that, yeah, I love mm -hmm. discipling. That's my history. So good. Catherine. Catherine Brill. I don't know how to Yeah, it's on. Okay. Put it right next to your mouth. Right here, so. Catherine. I'm discipling you on mic use. Right here. Right there. Yes. And I learned how uh, to be discipling others by the first person that asked me to disciple her. So uh, if I had to ask for uh, an older woman to disciple me, I might be in trouble. <laughs> so I will say that discipling um, has uh, improved my life mm -hmm. tremendously. 
I'm Alison Rohog. Um, I am married to another one of the pastors here. Uh, we have three kids. Um, I grew up in I grew up in the church, and it was a gospel preaching church. It's probably not a church that I would join today, but through the ministry of that church, I was discipled by women there, and it's a great it's a great testimony to the church doesn't have to be a perfectly robust, healthy church to have good discipling taking place. Um, and the two relationships that I can think of were older women that spent time with me. It was not very structured, and it was not like we're going to meet every Monday, but it was just an informal relationship that they struck up with me. Um, and it was really meaningful and impactful for me. And so I saw that modeled, and as I grew through college and um, out of college, I began to disciple other women as a fruit of seeing that modeled for me. Um, in your uh, little handout, we did have a verse that we put in there, and I think it's if you if you can flip to it or open up your Bible to Colossians one, because I want us to ground ourselves in God's Word for this time, because we want you to see that this is God's mandate for us. This isn't just a good idea that we've learned from and benefited from from other people, um, but that we are not trying to grow people into us, but grow people into Christlikeness. Um, so in Colossians 1, verses 28 and 29, the Apostle Paul, <clears throat> in writing to the, the saints at Colossae, says this, We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. And that is what we are called to do, ladies. So before we go any further, I think it's always helpful for us to define terms, don't you think? So what do we mean when we talk about discipling? Um, I, over the years, have had so many people, knowing that I'm passionate about this topic, will say things like, I just need a program or something to follow. I got to have like bullet points of how I'm supposed to do this. Um, and so I think what it the beginning point is say, well, what is it that we're supposed to do? Why don't we just start there? So we talk a lot about discipleship, and we talk about discipling. So, Allison, tell us, how would you define the difference between discipleship versus discipling? I'm not sure if this is where you're going for, but when I think of discipleship, I think of that as our role, that's our relationship to Christ as his disciples, in mm -hmm. pursuing discipleship as a believer, and in sanctification, and growing in holiness, and following Christ as his disciple. We're discipling, um, I, and I, I guess I would define discipling as that's what we do with other believers or even, you know, evangelism with a non-believer and then discipling them to pursue Christ. So I guess I would, I don't know if that's the right answer, but I would say <laughs> discipleship is my relationship with the Lord and discipling would be my relationship with other sisters. Yeah. I think at UBC, Brad, the way Brad describes it, it's the vertical versus the horizontal. Mm -hmm. So our vertical relationship, that's done through the church too, through the preached word, our own spiritual disciplines, that's that individual relationship with Christ. We call that discipleship. Mm -hmm. um, and then discipling is then taking those things that we've learned and doing good, spiritual good in the lives of others. And that's that horizontal. Yeah. Anything to add? others to Christ. Yeah. So that would go into my next question. If you had to tell me what does it mean 
to, to biblically disciple another. Catherine, how would you describe what it is that you're doing? Like, what's the goal? Well, the goal is to make uh, in Christ's followers. It, it, that's what God is doing to us. And so as part of his discipleship of us, we're expected to disciple others and uh, um, point them through scripture and prayer and um, discussing, then point them to Christ as yeah. well. Good. Mm. Did you have something to add? Bev, tell us a little bit what, 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 when you think about the goal of discipling, she's talking about pointing others to Christ, mm -hmm. praying for them, encouraging them with the scriptures. What else would you add to that or nuance when you think about what, what is the foundation behind which we do this? Foundation behind which we do this. Um, I mean, I, I'm just, my brain's kind of stuck on Matthew 28 right now. So, um, which I think is what Catherine was talking about, just making disciples of all nations, teaching them all that I have commanded, uh, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's like, that's all that's coming to my mind. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. No, but if you think about the teaching component, uh -huh. that goes to Titus 2. Yes. Right? As older women, we're to teach yeah. the younger women. There's a teaching component involved. Right, right. Um, but it's the, the way and the how we teach is different in discipling. And if you're thinking of, like, the Titus 2, what I love about that book is, like, they are in a, this really crazy godless place. And of, there's, like, all these, of all the strategies Paul could give them on, you know, how to live in this place with all the Cretans who are... Liars. Liars. Yeah. Gluttons. Brute, brute beasts. Yeah, brute beasts. Um, of all the strategies, yeah. he says, chapter two, disciple. Uh -huh. Disciple one another. So I love that. And then it ends with like, so that the word for, for women, so that God's word would not be maligned. So I think uh, when you say teaching others, that can, although I know it's true, mm -hmm. can scare people off. And I think I was probably scared off you know, for many years because it seemed to imply that you have to know everything and learn everything. And as you know, we are being sanctified. So uh, some of that's going to come later. Uh, you can teach what you know. And it's a growing together, is well, what you're saying? Yes, and yeah. I really would emphasize that when you're in a discipling relationship that you both are benefiting. It's not, it's mutual it's not me edification. pouring everything into yeah. you, but it's a mutual uh, gifting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like to encourage people to say we're actually all discipling one another anyway. Mm -hmm. Walking each other to yes, heaven. Yes, we're all walking each other to heaven. It's just some, it's more mm -hmm. formal at times. So, and we'll get there in a minute. Allison, anything to add to what we're saying? Okay. Um, well, speaking of which, I'm there. That's my next question. Well, how would you distinguish the difference between like formal discipling versus informal? So you kind of referenced it a little bit, Catherine, of like we are mutually encouraging each other in a relationship that has been set to meet together. Like you've got times. Let's think about what that looks like. How would you describe that? You go. Um, I think a formal discipleship relationship is maybe something that you plan for. You know, I'm going to meet with this person at this time. We are going to read this together. We're going to pray about this together. And maybe just have a little bit more, um, a little bit more of a structure plan to it. Where informal discipleship can be anything from hospitality to um, discipling your children 
to, um, you know, some of those relationships that are almost more like a peer relationship where you are just sharpening one another. Um, and some of those are just doing life together. Um, and know that when we do hospitality, we have people over for a meal. There's a lot that's happening there. Um, you know, in our conversation, in our relationship with our children, in our parenting, there's a lot that's being observed, there's a lot that's going on in that that can be discipleship, discipling. Um, and it's just not as structured. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of, a lot There's of what lot. I do is mm -hmm. informal mm -hmm. discipling. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I do you want to add that, Catherine? Well, I, I think it might be, um, I mean, hesitate to use the word sanctifying, but <laughs> I think <laughs> it would, uh, I think it's probably a good thing to have somebody that you have some sort of a formal relationship with because uh, that enables you to maybe um, expand your resources and you know study more and um, give benefit to one another and what you're studying uh, so I think that probably and just the discipline of that mm -hmm. would be good and then in addition uh, to, to know that there'd be probably several people that you meet with less often and uh, but it's the more informal and you're still keeping up with them in between probably with you know a text or something and uh, let, letting them know that you're praying for them because you know what their prayer needs are so. I think what's inherent what you're saying too is a level of accountability if there's if there's that set you know, um, I actually asked uh, this young woman this week um, what she, um, how she would distinguish between uh, this uh, formal and informal. And she said that she had a formal relationship with me, and she brought up that accountability. And I, I hadn't even, you know, I just said, what, what are the things that you think of? And uh, that's one thing that she mentioned. So she obviously sensed that, even if I hadn't specifically um, address that. Yeah, and I think one of the goals of our discipling is to make them more like Christ, but by using the word, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the word confronts, it pokes us. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we don't like it, but that sanctification process is beautiful as we've been meditating on it. That's, if you go further along in Colossians, if your Bible's still open, flip to Colossians um, 3. And that's that section where it's putting off and putting on or putting away and putting on. But then he finishes with this. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you. Dwell, sorry, dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through, and then here are, here's our equipment, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I don't remember the last time I have sung with somebody I've discipled, but I'm thinking maybe I need to start singing too. <laughs> um, and whatever you do in word or deed with one another, right? Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Mm -hmm. And so that's what the woman that you asked that question to, Catherine, is giving thanks because of your admonishment mm -hmm. and that accountability that comes with it. It's a beautiful thing, using mm -hmm. that word. Um, <clears throat> I just right now just thought of an example of um, 
I was able to do more discipleship, discipling. And so I think sometimes it's just being available. It's not, you know, being willing to take your laundry over to someone's house or vice versa, and just being willing to do life together and make the, um, not necessarily make the time for it, but just be willing to be open and be willing to open your home and be willing to not have everything be tied to your own schedule the way you want it to be, but to just make yourself available. Inconveniencing yourself for the sake of the gospel, yeah. My husband often says, uh, this was very helpful. He was like, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Mm-hmm. So, Bev, it's, you know, it's not going to be perfect. I know you want it to be perfect and for everything to line up, but, but there is good that can be had even if it's not perfect. So we, we say that all the time to people. Don't, I think because sometimes we just kind of freeze up and don't know where to start. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. It's just, it's good to start somewhere and it's okay if it's messy and imperfect. So. Yeah. Let's, let's turn just a little bit to the seasons of life and the different seasons that we as women will go through and how that affects our discipling. Because I was once told, here, uh, it's been 18 years since I discipled this one woman um, who is now a wife and a mother. And she says, the most influential thing that you did was to let me see you in absolute despair. Because when she, there was this one day, I mean, we had our formal time of discipling where we would be praying and reading the word and doing those things, but she would also come alongside and just be in our house because I think you've got to have both sides of it. You've got to do the life on life, and then we've got to be in the word. But this one particular day was literally the worst. A child peed on the ground. There, my dishwasher was flooded. My husband was upstairs in a state trying to put a sermon together. And Eliza, my youngest, was tiny at the time and did not want to go with this woman to go get ice cream was where they were going. And so she kicked her boyfriend between the legs. He doubles over in pain. I'm crying. And I'm like, what is this? This is terrible. She, she said, I'll never forget that day because I watched you by grace walk through it. Even in your despair and frustration, you cling to the Lord. She says, and I think about it when my kids are having one of those days. So, we, we, you know, those seasons we go through have an impact on the lives of other people, but it's being transparent in it. So, but in thinking about different seasons, you think about college, like you're in college and discipling, and then you're out of college and married and discipling college kids, or um, Catherine now in the later stages of life and thinking you're an empty nester and what does that look like and a grandmother. So let's talk a little bit about what discipling looks like now. Anybody. You all go. You, you all can answer this one because you're all in different stages. This is what's so pretty about this. Uh, I'll start. I, well, we're in a church planting stage, so mm-hmm. that, uh, that has been sort of um, jarring for me because I've always been in a situation where there, were already, there was already a culture of something in place. And so for us, we're in a season of like, oh, I've never had to start things like literally for a church from scratch. So um, I, I can't do a lot of, I wear a lot of hats, so I can't do a lot of the like one-to-one formal right now in this season of life. And so what, what we're doing is just, we're small church plants, so we can get all the women together. And then, then we just do a, a short Bible study together, and then we break off into little groups. So that they can so get a, group, a taste. kind of a group discipling. In yeah, a sense. it's a group discipling, okay. and then we break off into small like pairs or or trios, so they can get to know each other. And then I've told them, hey, if you had a great conversation with a woman during that time, ask them to coffee again. Mm-hmm. 
Like, That's great. let that be a prompting to, so I'm not in a lot of formal relationships right now, but I'm in a season of trying to facilitate it, is the best way I could put it. I have a pretty flexible schedule because I am not uh, employed in uh, the work world. Uh, I'm employed with grandchildren, so mm -hmm. other than school pickups and little things like that, I can be pretty flexible on in terms of other people's schedules. Now, one thing that happens as you get older is you're not so great at staying up having these fruitful conversations after 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> you know, I'm sort of out of it then, if I'm even awake. So, um, so that would be a difference there. But I mean, I loved going for coffee and just finding out about people and, you know, getting to know their children and uh, all of that. It's, like I said before, it's, it's a joy and a privilege to do that. So, um, and you know, I have a stack of resources if people want to go that route or, um, you know, reading through the Bible or... Um, okay, wait. I'd love to hear you double back on that a little bit. What's, what do you mean by that? Like, unpack that just a little bit more. So, like, if they want to do this or if they want to do what? Like, book, Bible study? Yeah, like, what does that look or, like for you? Uh, well, I, you know, um, when we were talking at the very beginning about... Um, sanctification and that we are sanctified. I mean, that's really the first place you start with anybody is just to be sure that they really do know the Lord. And, um, and then sometimes if someone has never had a relationship, discipling relationship before, I like to establish early on, you know, what their expectations are. And then, um, uh, you know, I like to do things that would intersect with the church, such as the uh, passages we're reading for uh, the sermon, or um, Aaron was mentioning um, singing hymns. Uh, the, you know, I save the, tear out the pages from the sermon, I mean, from the um, hymns that we sing each week, and boy, there's some great things in there just to talk about, or whatever I'm studying in my Bible study. And uh, so we have done things like um, read through books, but usually the first thing I would do is some sort of Bible study. I've had people ask me, though, one person asked me, and this was a long time ago, uh, like, I'd be interested in studying the attributes of God. And uh, so there's a lot of different things you can do, but certainly I can't think of anything that wasn't biblically based except, you know, this life-on-life uh, -life thing that kind of comes up as people talk to you about, um, you know, issues at home. Or how am I, how am I doing? That's really good. That's okay. right. no. You're doing great. <laughs> yeah. Allison. Um, I just came out of a similar season that you're in right now. In a smaller church, there was a revitalization. So, you know, trying to um, make the culture, discipling culture. And so um, there was some, you know, small group Bible studies and... Um, meeting with women, and it wasn't a formal one-on-one -on -one kind of thing for the last couple of years. It was very similar to what you're talking about. But now I'm in a season where my kids are in school, I work part-time, um, and during the day I can meet with women. And so I am in a season where I can meet with, um, with women at a certain time in a more formal way. And so but prior to 
prior to the church revitalization, it looked different, and prior to that, it looked very different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's changed over the years. Um, but right now, it's probably, you know, um, it's a fairly easy season of being able to meet up with someone at a time that works for both of us. Um, I don't use my evening for discipling right now because that's the time that I do have with my children mm -hmm. and my husband. So right now, I'm happy to give my daytime when, when it works around my work schedule. Um, but then my evenings, I do keep for, you know, our family in this season of life. And in just a couple of years, they'll all be out of the house and I'll have my evenings free again. So it's, it's just ever-changing. Yeah. Um, I think one of the themes I'm hearing, too, and what you're talking about is regardless of how busy the season is, so, I mean, there's oftentimes with women in the seasons we go through, especially with small children, it just feels like you're just happy to get through a day where you're not falling apart because you're so tired. Like the physical exhaustion that can, can creep in in the different seasons we face. And so what do we do in that? And I love hearing the different ways in which it's happening, but the foundation is the word. So I think one of the things that we want to exhort you is to remember that you can only give that which you've received. So if you yourself, I mean, discipling begins with you and the Lord. If you and the Lord are not getting that time, there is no, you're giving out of emptiness. Now, I'm not, what I don't mean by in saying that is it's not that you can't be of spiritual good for somebody if you didn't have a quiet time that day. What I mean is that are you in a season where you are regularly gleaning of God's word, sitting under the teaching, absorbing it in any way that you can because you're desperate for the gospel truth to be changing you? And then it's out of that overflow that you give towards others. Um, and I think that's, so it can be formal, it can be informal, but then when you're, if they're in the car, like I remember seasons where I'm in the car and they're running errands with me. Like someone will be, and they'll watch me as I'm discipling the kids, I'm going to the grocery store, doing all those things, but is the word of Christ on my tongue? Is that what's being talked about? Are they hearing me speak that to my children? Are they hearing me speak that into their situation? So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, right? Because that is what we disciple. It's not to make them and conform them to the image of us, but into the image of, of his son. And um, that's what I love, knowing that that's what you're, you're all saying in that. Um, so inevitably in discipling, sometimes it can be discouraging. I mean, I have people who have walked away from the faith. Um, I've had some really horrible things happen with people who I've loved, mm. invested in, uh, and I still pray for. And those are really hard and sad things. Um, but we also learn from those because those are those times where God grows our trust that it's not about us. Like God will use us. We are the conduit. But what do you do? What do you do when you're discouraged? What things do you remind yourself of? Don't listen to those lies of Satan, <laughs> and instead um, focus on the promises of God. Um, pray for those people, and um, remember that God is the one that gives the increase. So. I think in some of those relationships that have been more difficult or um, where they have walked away from the faith or you know, are, you know, not pursuing the things of the Lord, or a relationship that just fizzled out. And anyway, I think sometimes those have been a really sobering reminder for me that that could easily be me as well. And it's just the grace of God that 
you know, I am walking with him today. Um, and so I think some of those hard relationships have just been a sobering reminder of the reality that, um, you know, the Lord is keeping me and holding me and, you know, it could, I could easily be struggling with those same things. Uh, so that's been a sweet mercy Amen. to remember that. I think my some of my difficulty that I'm thinking of is uh, I could tell you mistakes I've made. So <laughs> I there was a I, season, too, <laughs> um, and I I remember this friend um, that I had been meeting with formally, and then we couldn't meet for a couple weeks, and she she was very upset with me, and ended up telling me something to the effect of like. You, I need this, like I, it just was clear to me that I had, it was very sobering for me because I realized that, and this is why it's one of my points, that I had been pointing her to myself. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was like gut-wrenching to realize like as she was talking about that time that I had like mistakenly pointed to myself and not to Jesus because it was very clear she didn't want to rely on Jesus. She wanted to rely on me and that I had not served her well in that way. It's not that we don't want to be there for people, but it was just clear to me that my identity as a discipler had got mixed in there somewhere. And so I had veered off course. So that's what I'm thinking of, like in terms of like disappointing, like hard things that have happened in discipleship. Yeah, when we're doing intentional spiritual good in the life of another sister, that means that we are a mirror of, to them of the Father. We're not a yeah. mirror. We don't mirror ourselves to them. We yeah. are to reflect yeah. upward, constantly pushing them upward. That's yeah. hard. You know, one of the things I try to encourage people who are discouraged in their discipling is to remind them that Jesus discipled 12, right? And we all know what happened to one of them. And if that happened to Jesus, how would it not also happen to us? Because we're not the one who changes hearts. The Lord does. So if for whatever reason that you find yourself in a situation where you have invested and you love them and your heart's broken because they just decide to walk away, just remember while there's life and breath, there's hope, keep praying for them. I have a sister who I love dearly. I invested five solid years in her life. She's lived with us and has just walked away from the faith altogether and then randomly texts me every now and then. She's like, I'm thinking about you. And I always say, and I'm still praying for you. So I, you know, but do, is my heart broken? I have to be careful as I talk to sound formal because I would burst into tears. I love her so much. Um, and that's what it looks like. You give a little bit of yourself every time you're doing that um, and investing in people, but it's worth it. And the Lord set a model for us in the way he did it. Um, he discipled and he set an example that we should follow. And in that is suffering and then glory. And we know that, sure. And making mistakes. Yes. Yeah, we are not Jesus. That's the other thing. So if it happened to him, I'm thinking about the mistakes I've made along the way. I feel like I should have some sort of blanket. Please forgive me for everything wrong yes. I ever said or did. <laughs> Can I wear it on a t-shirt? <laughs> Every time I meet with them, I'll just sit down with the t-shirt on. Hey, welcome to Discipling 101. Forgive me for everything else. <laughs> um, so thinking more in relationship to our, our local churches, what are ways that pastors um, have encouraged or may I say even discouraged you in some way in your discipling process and growing as a discipler of women? Uh, 
I mean, Mark encouraged encouraged it. And so I, I don't think any pastor has ever discouraged me in like a blatant way, but I think I have been in churches that I'm thankful for, but never encouraged discipling. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that that's hard. And so it's not like they're directly discouraging me, but... Um, and how did Mark specifically encourage you? What are things that he may have said or done yeah. to you specifically as an individual, maybe at large in the church, because it's a culture mm. of discipling, right? Yeah. But what about for who you are? Well, I mean, just him doing that little inception of like, you stay, you grow, and you be one of those women. I was like, I never thought about that. Thanks. Like, that was helpful. But I think one of the things that was helpful um, was I was just at a loss of like where to start. And I did reach out to, to staff. And, I, and at that point, they were saying, if you really, if you just can't find anyone, like, we can try to help you find somebody. And they set me up with Hannah Gilbert-Smith, who was a um, assistant pastor's wife at the time. And so I met up with her, and I had no idea that God intended that I would be married to a pastor someday. And so I just think, man, the providence of God that I spent time in her yes. home and saw what her life was like. Um, and then same, like when we went to Dubai, I was spending time with this woman. I had no idea she was going to marry a pastor. And so she, I will get messages from her sometimes of like that time, I just, just seeing your life and what it looks like has prepared me. So I love how the Lord really does orchestrate some of these, um, yeah, providential meetings. Yeah. You know, it's the only person not married to a pastor up here. I would like to say that. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate our pastors and what they do and go through. And um, I just, um, that we do have a culture of, uh, discipling here in our church, but it's wasn't always. It's been added to and expanded. On I was talking, we were talking at lunch about the the church plants or church revitalizations here that we know of, and uh, what a blessing that is to start out with that. Mm -hmm. Hey, we're this is what we do here in the church. We have discipling, mm -hmm. and uh, we've had to kind of come from the top down here. I feel like and. Uh, I'm very thankful for that. And one specific thing um, that has taken place is we've had some great um, equipping classes mm -hmm. and where not only are you getting the teaching, but you're getting interaction and hearing you know, from other people. And for instance, one, we had one on um, the one and others. You know, and so those are, uh, that's so practical in discipling, what you do in discipling all this mm -hmm. one another. And uh, so that has been really helpful. And, and other things too, whether it's apologetics or uh, of course just the, the Bible teaching. But uh, I feel like it's really encouraging because we're encouraged. And so I don't know if you're gonna have a last word at the end, but one thing I would say is, you know, if you don't have a discipling relationship to get one. Mm -hmm. So I, that's the only way you're gonna know what, what we're talking about up here. The only thing I would add is um, thinking about encouraging or discouraging from pastors. Um, the best churches that we've been a part of are the ones where the, the shepherds are actually shepherding members of the flock, and they, are, they themselves are meeting with people. And we, I've been a part of churches where 
the, the senior pastor um, just, you know, just preaches. And that's really all they do. And they're not, in, you know, meeting with members and in the lives of members. And you can, you know, that bears fruit. And it bears not great fruit. Um, and so I would say that's more discouraging. Um, in the times that I've been a part of a church where the lead pastor or the staff themselves are not discipling in meeting with members, that's very discouraging. And I think that's an important word. That's part of the reason for the question. I think all of us come from right now, we're in positions where we are well-loved and fed and, and encouraged, um, but we may not always be here. So those are important things when you look for a healthy church. You want to look for a church that prizes the word and then prizes using the word in the lives of the people mm -hmm. that are there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of the things that we know is that as our children grow, we are called Deuteronomy 6. We are to train up our children, right, and we're to teach them. When are we supposed to teach them? What does Deuteronomy 6 say? Basically everywhere, if you read it, right? Everywhere. It's supposed to be always there. And again, that's the exhortation that we have to be in the Word in order to give the Word. Um, but when we think about going through the seasons of life of discipling our children, I mean, we've got children of all ages here, so we're all moms. So let's just talk for just a minute about what it looks like to disciple others and yet also disciple our children. Um, Nick has modeled very well. Um, and I say Nick because he was the one who was disciplined to do this and not me. Um, I, have, do... I have pictures of <laughs> videos. I mean, I have so, many so much incriminating evidence of the goodness he has done in your family. He, he really, he instilled from when they were teeny tiny family worship. And family worship had looked very different over the years, but it was just, you know, when they were little, after bath time, reading, you know, maybe one page in a, in a children's Bible together, talking about it, maybe memorizing maybe one part of like a small catechism, nothing, nothing big, made it fun. We laughed through the whole thing. We have videos of our kids, of my boys talking about, you know, the prodigal son and Nick talking about, you know, using the word prostitute, but they didn't even know what the word prostitute meant. And it was funny to them because it had the word toot in it. <laughs> So we have, I mean, you know, so that was what the whole family worship was about, how the word prostitute had the word toot in it. You know, so like, we, we've had the whole spectrum of like, you know, but more with it, laugh with it, have fun with it. Um, I remember them being tiny, you know, who made you God? You know, why don't he make you for his glory? You know, just little things and nothing fancy. And now, you know, over the years, they moved from after bath time to um, before school. They were all leaving for school at the same time in a season of life. That's not the season of life we're in right now, but for many years, they would leave at the same time. So we had a quick Bible time in the morning. Again, Nick was the one who was disciplined to do it, not me. And he would, we would just read a passage together. That he would ask three questions, one for each of our children, and we would close in prayer, and they would go to school. And so you're just dripping that in a little bit every day. And this is on top of just normal conversation. Um, and so it's sweet to see the like, okay, so at Christmas time, he also did something similar where he would do like an advent with the kids that he kind of put together on his own. And that has turned into like a little booklet that has now been printed and passed around and 
level two to the youth and get better with born out of teaching our children. And so I would say with teaching your children, it didn't need to be something small and manageable, but consistent. If it's something that's elaborate, you won't do it. You won't stick with it. If it's just something little and something small and just drip it in a little bit every day over the years um, and it models for them what it looks like to spend time in the world every day. Um, and you know that would be on top of just talking about the big things and when you hear about big issues in the news, obviously you can talk about it as a family, but the small every day. And Aaron's talking about, I mean, Nick would even, if he was out of town, he would video himself doing a little like Bible time with the kids and, and, and I would show it to the kids. So All the husbands on the block are like, come on, Nick, stop. <laughs> he was, he's been yeah. so, he has, he has done such a wonderful job at shepherding our children um, through just the fun Bible time. And he, he loves to have fun and make it laugh. So it was never very serious or boring. Catherine. You know, when you, when you think about what you're doing now in the season of your life, so it's, your kids are grown, right? And they have families of their own. They're discipling their children. But you're still investing in their lives. What are things that you do, small things that you might be even doing now to encourage and, in some sense, informally disciple them? Well, we don't have Nick's book that he wrote, but um, <laughs> we uh, do do things like during the Advent season, we have um, things that we do every year. I, um, I don't know if you're thinking about the Bible reading or whatever would be. I mean, what we're trying to do is just encourage these ladies in various, I mean, we got a whole swath. I'm looking out and thinking about the lives that are here. A lot of, well, lot of different variations. I will say that uh, grandmothers can still have mighty influence yes. in their grandchildren's yes. lives. First of all, you're not responsible for disciplining them and correcting them you know, I say ice cream for breakfast is great. You're discipling them in ice cream? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, we still, we want to very much participate in our grandchildren's lives. And we have the privilege of having some here locally. So, I mean, even things like just showing them that you care about them. And um, all of my grandchildren are in church, so I, you know, leave that to them. But, um, um you know, praying with them and um, reading the Bible stories, all those things. Mm -hmm. yeah. you, you can still do that. Oh, I, you know, amazingly, now that the, some of the children are a little older, I mean, I actually text with my granddaughters. And I try my grandson, but he never texts back. <laughs> That's boys. That's boys. <laughs> but uh, I've been, it's been a really sweet relationship with the girls. And uh, I don't know how many grandmothers are doing that, but um, mm -hmm. you know, just those little things. And I, you know, if they're having trouble with being anxious about something, you know, I pray, I tell them in the text, I pray for them, I'll send them a verse, you know, things like that. You can still be an influence in your grandchildren's lives. And even your grown children, um, what a privilege to be able to have adult conversations about the Lord mm -hmm. with your grown children. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of Eunice and Lois and how Paul, speaking to Timothy, is like, you remember who taught you the words of life? It was your mother and your grandmother. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, that has like, I, I, that just was 
branded on my mind that like these two women had so much of an effect. They gave him the words that lead to eternal life. So they were sound in their doctrine. They were sound and that in their sound doctrine. doctrine raised up another preacher of God's word who yeah. we have as part of our Bible. Praise the Lord. Um, there, you all have sent some really good questions. I'm going to fly through a couple of them, so we're kind of rapid, some of these catch-alls, okay? So hang with me as we go through, and we're trying to answer as many as we can. I just saw a bunch come through. Um, I think something that, we, that I kind of jumped over, which is worth us considering, is um, how, so we've talked about being the person who's discipling, but what about when you're trying to find somebody to disciple and you just don't know how to ask or who to ask or how to do that? So you gave the exhortation, Catherine, if you're not in one, get in one. But I do know that there is a shortage of older women who are willing to do the uncomfortable because they feel like they're not equipped. So what do we say to both sides of the aisle on that one? If you uh, know the Lord, you're equipped. And uh, you can open your Bible with anybody and just read the Bible with someone. Um, I do... uh, I told you that the first person that I ever had a relationship with asked me, and I mean, I was like shocked that anybody would want to do that. I was humbled. So if you're feeling afraid or like, I can't do this, you're wrong. (laughs) And you also are keeping yourself from a fabulous um, opportunity to grow and a fabulous opportunity to get to know um, people in this church, Um, especially people you don't know. Don't just hang out with all the other people your age. You know, and I, here's another really surprising thing to me. I was surprised that any young person would think I had anything worthwhile to say. And it is such a pleasure. And so I, I hated that all the old women aren't going to talk to the younger women, but I didn't, you know, ask them. So I'm sorry, girls, but if you're younger than the person that you're thinking of, just, you know, bite the bullet and get in there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can just do it together. Reading, you know, there's some books out there about, you know, reading through the Bible together. So uh, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Any other quick thoughts on that? This is where I think we can be encouraged by our pastors because oftentimes pastors will know the needs that might be out there. Someone who might be looking for someone to disciple or someone's like, I want to be, I'm willing. I just don't know how to go about finding anybody. Let yourself be known to your pastors because they would love to help facilitate a meeting up of sorts. Um, And I know one of the other questions was about how to know when to end it, like end a discipling relationship. I always think that's a great question. So I, I would love to ask us that as well. Just one more on the finding someone. Go for it, Catherine. I should have mentioned this first off, but if you are wanting a discipling relationship, pray and ask the Lord to put someone on your heart. Mm -hmm. But that goes both ways. Mm -hmm. In the relationship. (laughs) In the relationship, okay. Um, Usually when I meet with someone formally at the beginning, and I've learned this from... Well, and that's why, these are good. These are just things that that we've learned, like we're talking about mistakes. Everything I know is because I did it wrong the first time. Right. So there have been some either awkward endings or never ending or, you know. So usually, if it's a formal discipling relationship, I might say, let's try to meet 
once a week, every other week for this semester, or for six weeks that we read this book together, or I might try to like put those expectations out at the beginning so that we're both on the same page. And if it's going very well and it's really fruitful, fruitful and we both want to continue, so be it. Establish another, okay, let's read through this book of the Bible together and let's end at the end of May and we'll see how it's going. So that's, that's just the small thing that I've learned. Yeah. Uh, you can end the discipling relationship without ending the relationship. Absolutely. You're still that's sisters. So and uh, this brave girl that asked me the first time also was brave two years later when she said, all right, I think I need to take a break now. So, uh, yes, I learned. I had somebody say, I think I need to let you go bless somebody else. <laughs> Thank you. I think, yes, now I've learned through mistakes, like, the more you can like set expectations up front, it is more helpful for both of you. But I also think it's now it's trying to do what Mark did for me. Like when I meet that that the expectation is like, you're this is going to end and you're gonna do this. Like you you need to now do this with somebody else. And so it's not just the two of us together forever, but it is like this is going to reverberate. Yeah, there will be a ripple The expectation effect. is duplication. The expectation mm -hmm. is duplication, yeah. yeah. Um, I think if you're looking for someone to disciple and then you're trying to figure out how to go about doing all that, there are a couple quick things that Mark did teach me, so this is something that was really helpful, is to look for fat people, and that's an acronym, for faithful, available, mm. and teachable. And when you see those people, those are your duplicators. So you want to be able to invest in fat people so that they go and do likewise. So um, I know, we, I think Brad tried to change it and make it, I think his is faith, faithful, available, like interested, and I don't know, he had some other thing, and I'm like, I can't ever remember that one. Um, but the idea is that you, you want to be, it's not that you just invest in only those people, but the idea is we're trying to raise up disciples to go make more disciples. That's our job. That's part of the, that's the call from Matthew 28. Um, and so how do we go about doing that? It's in that way. And so oftentimes there is this expectation you set to then go and do likewise. But then also let the Lord surprise you that people will become friends. And so you may not meet formally after that. Like you just start hanging out. Mm -hmm. And then you just, your friend group just kind of grows. And it's this beautiful thing because you're sisters in Christ and you watch them then make their friend group grow too. It's just a beautiful way to see the gospel at work. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yes, formally it may end in one sense, but the friendship doesn't. And then you're mutually encouraging each other in the faith, which is really the goal, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, When you that available, it made me think about how Sometimes in God's providence, it just doesn't work out, and that's okay. Sometimes your schedules may not line up, and it's okay. So when we moved here, Colby um, initiated for each one of my children someone to meet with them. And for the boys, it's been great. It's been a great fit. For Emmeline, it was our problem. I could never get Emmeline with this girl who was very available. Is she here? She was super sweet and so available, and I so appreciated her willingness to do all the scheduling gymnastics, but I could never physically get in the line with her. And I made it very clear, you know, I really appreciated her, it was us. 
And so sometimes that just happens. Sometimes it just, the schedule just don't work. Mm -hmm. And when Emma was available and when this girl was available, it just wasn't the same time. Mm -hmm. um, where with the boys, it was a great fit. Nothing personal, nothing, you know, mm -hmm. it just God's providence. Mm -hmm. And that's been the same for me as well. In different seasons of life, someone may pursue me and it's just, we just can't get together. And that's okay. Yeah. Just trust that the Lord is sovereign over that. Um, so two quick questions before, as we wrap up. Um, we can do this. I know we can do it. Uh, when we are dealing with women who have really horrible things that have happened to them, uh, so you're meeting with them, and then as you're meeting with them, it comes out that they are victims of violent abuse of some kind, be it sexual, physical, emotional, whatever it might be. How do we disciple differently, and should we disciple differently in that situation? I know. How's that? I think it's off. I think it's off. I didn't turn anything. I don't know if that was it. No, it's on. There we go. Um, there are situations such as the ones that um, Aaron mentioned where it's really uh, important to um, connect them with somebody on the staff, a professional. Mm -hmm. Uh, in the counseling field um, and that would be part of what you're doing helping them to see this is beyond your um, both comfort level your skill level and that you'll certainly continue to meet with her she likes and uh, be praying through it but hand her off to somebody that knows what they're doing professionally I would say I think the other thing I will say into that is that the way that like we are set up at UBC is such a beautiful thing because of this idea of um, biblical counseling, because discipling is counseling in a way. Um, <clears throat> but then when you get into a situation where you're like, I need help, we have the resources to glean that assistance. But then like when they are informal counseling, we can come into that and we ourselves can grow and how to help sisters in that situation. So it's not like we outsource and don't learn ourselves. We're outsourcing and learning and being discipled ourselves. Because remember, it's a, it's a two-way street. It's not just come into my home and sit down and let me tell you all the things you need to learn about Jesus because I have all the answers. It's the idea of, hey, come alongside me and let's learn together. Um, that's where Melissa Kruger's book on um, discipling, she, the title of it is what I love. She says, we are growing together. And that's the idea we want to think about this. We are all on the road towards heaven, and we want to assist with what God has given us to be able to encourage you along the way. And so there's a level of transparency we need to give to one another and that, like, say things like, I actually don't have that answer, and I don't know what to say to you in this. But let's together go and find some of those answers and get some help for you in this. And you'd be surprised because this, this will come up more often than you realize. I was glad someone asked this question because you'll be sitting there and you have no idea. Like this, you just, you're studying the Bible together. You're just going through life. But the relationship deepens and the intimacy deepens. And all of a sudden they're willing to be vulnerable about something that happened to them a year ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago. 
but it's still there and it still haunts them and they haven't gotten rid of it and they need to unload that by the power of the Spirit and you might be that agent to get them help. And what a wonderful thing to watch God work. I mean, you just see like that is, I mean, you will be freaked out because you're like, how do I do this? So it's like, great, guess what? You don't have to do it. The power of the Spirit and you've got a, a whole family that God gives you in the church. So just to remember that as well. Um, okay, so if you had to just give closing words of encouragement to these ladies, they obviously made the time to come here. They're interested in discipling. They're thinking about discipling. I had lots of questions, and I'm so thankful for them. Wish we could have gotten to all of them. But if there were, like, last bits of advice, things you've learned, or just an encouragement, or a, a passage of Scripture that you base your um, discipling on, any of those things, what would you say? We'll just go down the line. Okay. Um, I, this is the thing I think about the most, and it, it really is that whatever the relationship looks like with other women in the church, that it really should be grounded on the scriptures. And the reason why I keep thinking about it is Jesus says, my sheep recognize my voice. How do you recognize his voice if you're not familiar with what he says? And so part of the beauty of women meeting together is we're helping each other recognize our shepherd's voice and not mistaking it for um, that we're following somebody else and making it up as we go along. But I, I do feel like that has been the, the gift of discipling for me is women helping me and letting me help them recognize the shepherd's voice so that when he speaks, we, we know that it, it is him because we know his word. I was going to say that too as well, um, that first he wants you, and then as you think about what really matters in life, what lasts, what is eternal, um, one of the um, most rewarding things you can do, and this sounds selfish, I guess, but just to be able to um, share your joy, um, your knowledge with other people so that they might have it as well. So it's not, it's less a job and more, more an overflow of Jesus in you. Within the mean of the local church, I think that discipling and being discipled has been one of the most formative things in my spiritual life and in my faith. And so it it's one of those things that I have been tremendously blessed by um, in discipling and being discipled. And um, one of the agents by which the Lord uses to, you know, to spur us on and to keep us to himself. And the whole point of all of this is Christ's likeness and to help each other towards heaven. We're just all walking towards heaven together. And it's really not what a about... Thought. I mean, just, just stop. Like, what a thought that is. It's just amazing, isn't it? We're all going to be there together. Right. Yeah. And we're, just, we're just helping each other get there. It's not really th that I have the answer, that I know what I'm doing, but like you said, we're just doing it together. And we're just linking arms together and helping each other towards heaven. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, it's, just, it's so fun to be up here because I know the lives of each of you, and I know what you've I've been walking, some of you, longer than others. But it's just, it's what is so evident is that the love of Christ is what compels you. 
and that the word of, the, word of God is the foundation on which you lead and teach from um, in all these ways. And so I think for those of you who are in formal discipling relationships, just encourage you to keep going despite discouraging circumstances you may find yourself in. Um, and as you use the word of God as the foundation, when you spend time with somebody, if you're not sure what to do, my question, the thing I always say is uh, ask a lot of questions. Be curious. There's a lot more to the person sitting across the table than you realize. So pray for God to give you a curious mind for them to draw them out so that you can help them grow in the grace and uh, God, in grace and in godliness. Um, so anyway, I'm going to pray our time out so you can go to your small group. Lord, we're grateful that your word is living and active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword because it pierces, Lord, it penetrates. It also heals and binds up. And so as women, we pray that you would help us to be intentional with other women, to help one another along that road towards heaven, that we would be encouragers, that we would be quick to be able to point out evidences of grace in each other's lives, um, that we would admonish and exhort, but with an eye towards their holiness, Lord, not towards making us look better. Um, we pray that you would help us to take risks, Lord, and make ourselves vulnerable by putting ourselves out there asking to be discipled, asking someone else to disciple, um, that you would help us to have ears to hear when things are said to us that may be hard, that you would give us soft hearts, Lord, and strong minds for your word, that we would um, go first, Lord, to you, that we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness above all things, and that your name would be hallowed and glorified in our lives and through what we do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.